by Govanen. Welcome to the Tolkien Lore Channel. I'm the Tolkien Geek. And not too long ago, somebody, I think it might have been Tom in Iowa, suggested that I do a video explaining why the ring couldn't be taken west over the sea to Valinor for people who might not have been too familiar with the idea. And so I'm going to cover that. And the, the story itself gives us a few reasons, which I'll get into. But I think we can actually add a few others to it as well and get an idea of why doing that, though it might seem like kind of an obvious choice in one sense, is actually a really bad idea in another and would never have actually worked. So let's take a look first at the reasons the story gives us. Once the history of the ring has been told at the Council of Elrond, Glorfindel pretty quickly ends up saying, you know, so we basically got a few choices here. We can either try to destroy it, but we can't do that. We could try to hide it forever, which Elrond probably can't do, and we could try to either send it over the sea or just dump it into the ocean. And th this kind of becomes the framework for the rest of the discussion of the Council, and some of these get dismissed pretty quickly. Like I said, Elrond says, you know, I can't I can't hold the ring here forever. Sauron would eventually have enough power to just overcome me. And they even suggest giving it to Bombadil, and Gandalf says, mm, he probably wouldn't take it unless everybody in Middle-earth begged him to, and then he doesn't really have the focus to, to deal with it, so he would just like eventually chuck it somewhere. He wouldn't understand it. Uh, but Elrond, in response to the idea of sending it over the sea, specifically says... Um, They who dwell beyond the sea would not receive it. For good or ill, it belongs to Middle-earth. It is for us who still dwell here to deal with it. Now, that's the first reason given. And then Elrond later says... The westward road seems easiest, therefore it must be shunned. It will be watched. Too often the elves have fled that way. Now at this last we must take a hard road, a road unforeseen. And then he concludes, we've got to take the ring to Mordor. So the two reasons given within the story itself are, you know, the ring belongs to Middle-earth. The, the powers in the West are not going to take this thing. It, it's not for them to deal with, it's for us to deal with. And then he adds a second reason, you know, the westward way is too easy and therefore wrong, and the elves have too often fled that way. You know, so I mean, he's kind of putting a gloss on the whole too easy thing by basically saying the elves have been in retreat mode for too long, and it's kind of the... He doesn't use the word coward, and so I hesitate to put that much of an emphasis on it. But it's almost like he's saying it's kind of the coward's way out. We're not really addressing the problem. We're just, you know, kind of pushing it off and trying to have somebody else deal with what really we should have already dealt with here on Middle-earth. And, of course, the earlier problem he stated was those who dwell in the West would not receive it. Now, he doesn't explain why exactly, and we could probably assume a few reasons. For one thing... Valinor, the Blessed Realm, is a place that is holy, sacred, hallowed in various different senses. 
but as is pointed out in the Silmarillion, especially in the Akalabaith, to those in Numenor who were like, why can't we go visit and why can't we obtain immortality by living in the Undying Lands? Uh, messengers from Valinor come and basically say it's not the land that makes the people who live there immortal. Rather, it's the great powers and immortal beings that live there that bless the land. So, there's a bit of a hint here that Valinor is only a kind of a, a holy, sacred place because it's kept that way by its inhabitants. The ring, on the other hand, is altogether an evil thing and just simply does not belong there. It, it, why, why on earth would you ever allow it to be brought into Valinor when it's, by its very nature, evil? Now, on the one hand, we might imagine that one reason for taking it to the West is because there there is power to destroy it. Whereas in Middle-earth, the only way to destroy it, seemingly, is to dump it back into Mount Doom, where it was forged, and that seems an insurmountably difficult task. Now, in the West, you have Aule, who is, you know, in Sauron was one of the Maiar of Aule, and so Aule is, you know, like a step above, at least a step above Sauron, and therefore he might potentially have the power just inherently to unmake anything that Sauron made. Could he actually? Mm, we don't really know that, but it's at least maybe something in the back of the minds of the people who were suggesting this idea in the council that if we send it to the West, they might be able to destroy this thing for us. And let's assume for sake of argument that Aule or some other Vala or combination of Valar could, in fact, accomplish that task. It is still the case that the ring shouldn't be brought there because it's an evil thing, which, you know, you don't let those things into Valinor. That, that's kind of the, the point. Valinor is kept as pure as it is because all the bad stuff is kept out. Now, of course, there have been bad things in Valinor before, Melkor uh, and Feanor, but there's, you know, that, that was kind of a an oopsie, in a sense. That was, they didn't intentionally let those things in. And you might argue that, well, they're only letting the ring in for the purpose of destroying it, and therefore, you know, they're going to let it in, they're going to break it, and then it's all over. It's like, what's it going to do to corrupt anything? Well, you know, that's an interesting question. Could the ring actually potentially corrupt, you know, the elves in Valinor, or even Maiar and Valar in Valinor? Uh, there seems to be no question that it could at least potentially corrupt Maiar because Gandalf himself is a Maya, Saruman is a Maya, Galadriel is an, a great elf, Elrond is a very great elf, and both of them turn down the ring on the grounds that it's, you know, something that would corrupt them. Gandalf is afraid it would corrupt him. Saruman was corrupted merely by seeking for it, let alone by actually having it. So elves and Maiar certainly are susceptible of this kind of corruption. You could argue the wizards are kind of a special case because they're incarnated and therefore a little bit different than a Maya who is not incarnated into a real physical body. But I don't think we have any grounds to think that that's a different scenario. So then the only real question is, could it corrupt Avala, such as Aule? 
I, that's kind of a hard question to answer. I I don't know that it would. For one thing, Ale, I don't think would have any particular reason to be tempted by the ring, and nor would many of the other Valar. Uh, but it's still, you know, kind of an open question. And another problem here is that even if you take it there and there is literally zero risk of any temptation on the part of anybody else, and it's taken in, destroyed by Ally immediately, and then done, you still have the problem of what Elrond says, which is this is kind of the coward's way out. And also it gets mentioned uh, by one of the other elves, Galdor, I believe it was, who basically says the westward way is going to be watched carefully by Sauron. And even though the Nine have been unhorsed, that's just a brief respite. We don't have all that much time. And if we try to go that way, that's probably the way he's going to expect us to go, and therefore the road that's going to be most closely watched. And he even mentions, you know, somebody had already brought up the idea of Bombadil, and he said going back in that direction that we've just come from is going to be really dangerous. I mean, it was hard enough getting here and we don't want to go back and retread the same ground. And so he adds on the point that if the road back to Bombadil, or Iotarwine as he calls him in the Elvish, if the road back to Bombadil is dangerous, then the road to the sea is way more dangerous because that's even, you know, it's farther and it's, you know, the kind of thing that Sauron would expect. And you have to remember here, Sauron's expectation is you know, the literally the last thing on his list of expectations is that they're going to try to take it to Mordor. Because, again, not what Sauron would do, and also insurmountably dangerous. Who would be that stupid? Sauron is going to expect that they're either going to claim the ring and fight him, or try to just shunt it off somewhere in the West because that's what them elves do, right? So, of those options... Sauron is going to be watching for somebody to claim the ring and become the ring lord, or he's going to be watching for them to try to get rid of it by taking it west. So whatever spies Sauron has in the area are going to be, you know, looking around for what's going to happen in this zone of, you know, in you know, in and around Rivendell and Bree to figure out what the plan is and where they're going with it when they eventually do set out eastward and southward, of course, to the extent that Sauron might be aware of any of that, his guess is probably that it's going to Minas Tirith. And that's, you know, probably the best guess that he could come up with because, well, that's the greatest power left in Middle-earth, and therefore, you know, they're just taking it there to have whoever claim the ring and then fight me over it. So, whatever resources Sauron might have could easily be focused westward. And we we tend to forget because so much of the action is focused in Rohan and Gondor in the later parts of the book, Sauron still has a lot of orcs in the northern part of Middle-earth. There are orcs in the Misty Mountains. There are, you know, orcs in Gundabad and the realm of Angmar. There's a lot of resources he could draw on to stop any kind of move toward the west if he really needed to. So that's why that westward road is dangerous on those grounds alone. But there's also the whole idea that Elrond says, you know, too often have we fled that way. You can read this in two different senses. One is, as I mentioned, kind of the, the coward's way out. You know, we really shouldn't take that approach. We need to really face our own problems, deal with them ourselves, and, and do something about it. 
and also there's the the issue of you know because they have too often fled that way that's why Sauron is going to be expecting them to do it yet again so all those reasons are you know really good reasons not to take the ring into the west Gandalf also mentions a third thing in terms of just throwing the ring into the sea and this kind of applies too because if and we don't know this, but assuming for sake of argument for a minute that Aule cannot destroy the ring, that it really is only destructible in the fires of Mount Doom, and one could imagine that this might be the case because, you know, Mount Doom, if you look into some of the later writings that Tolkien made, like Mount Doom is kind of a special place because of the power of Melkor himself, and Melkor is greater than Aule, and therefore... You know, there's there's a certain amount of even Aule can't trump whatever magic went into that. So potentially, that couldn't be destroyed. But in the context of throwing it into the sea, Gandalf says, well, we can't just chuck it and hope he never finds it. You know, seas have risen and, I mean, lands have sunk and all this has happened before, so we can't assume that it's going to be safe there forever. And we need to make a final end of this. This logic applies to the same idea of taking it over the sea, because if Aule or the other Valar can't destroy it, which seems at least a plausible scenario, then they still haven't really solved the problem. If the ring is not finally destroyed, Sauron will eventually have enough power to overwhelm all opposition and rule Middle-earth until, you know, whenever... Eru or the Valar decide to just completely trash the entire place like they did in the first stage to Beleriand and like they did before that when they fought Morgoth and, you know, like, huge destruction takes place. Gandalf and Elrond are like, no, we don't want to do that. We want to just take care of this thing now by our own means and, and handle it without having to deal with any of those kinds of issues. And another point, finally, that I want to bring into this discussion of you know, whether the the powers in the West would even do anything, they've already acted on behalf of Middle-earth against Sauron by sending the wizards, which indicates, you know, to the extent that they're trying to take a role in this at all, they're trying to do it by helping Middle-earth do its own job. And so Gandalf and Elrond are kind of picking up on that whole idea and realizing this is our... This is our problem, and that's why Elrond says, for you know, for better or worse, this is our problem to deal with. It's Middle-earth's issue, and we have to take care of it. They're not going to do it. If they were going to intervene in the kind of way that Glorfindel is suggesting, like they could just destroy the ring, why couldn't they literally just hop over long enough to break the ring while it's in Rivendell and then be like, ha-ha, we're done, cool. Everybody good guys? Okay, we're going back to Valinor. They're not going to do that for the same reason, assuming presumably, that they wouldn't or couldn't do that if they brought it to Valinor in the first place. So, when you look at it, there's already hints in the background of why taking it to Valinor wouldn't be a good idea. If that really were an option you know, the powers in Valinor could have already done something about that. It had been sitting in the Shire for 60 years. I mean, there was plenty of time to do something about it. 
And even once Frodo gets it, he's got it for another 17 years. I mean, there's just so many opportunities. If if there was an easy solution that Ale could just come and just like take his forge and whack it and bam, it's gone. This could have been done. And the Valar have already decided, and this is what the sending of the wizards shows, their involvement in the activities of Middle-earth is much more light-handed. They're not putting a whole lot of overt activity into Middle-earth anymore, because every time they've done that in the past, it's resulted in cataclysm, and they don't want that again. You know, you've got the wars before the elves, you've got the War of the Wrath at the end of the First Age, which sinks Beleriand, you've got the drowning of Numenor, which wasn't even the Valar's doing, that was Eru's doing. All of these cataclysms come about because of major interventions that have to deal with really big issues. And what the Valar are implicitly saying is, hey, you people can do this on your own. We're not going to step in. We're going to send you help because you may need it, but you can you can solve this problem without huge amounts of literally world-destroying, you know, in, in influence from the West. So those are the reasons why, ultimately, they couldn't send the ring to the West. A, is the coward's way out. And if you take the coward's way out, it's almost always going to result in something bad. First of all, if you're starting with that kind of approach, you're already making yourself more susceptible to the ring's influence anyway. I mean, if, if you're taking the approach of, this thing's too dangerous, we got to take it to somebody who can actually handle it, and let them deal with it, and it's too big of a problem for us. That's kind of that's kind of what Frodo does with Galadriel at one point. You know, he's like, "This is too great a matter for me. I'll give it to you." And Galadriel basically says, "No, you better not do that." <laughs> uh, but you know, when you start taking that kind of a mentality about the ring, that's that's really fertile ground for the ring to then play on your mind and be like, yeah, we're, I'm really too dangerous for you. Give me, you know, find a way to give me to somebody else who can, you know, maybe do a better job than you, which means somebody more powerful, and somebody more powerful is somebody who's going to be more easily corrupted by the temptation to use it, and it, it's just a really bad idea. So taking it to the West you know, plays into the coward's way out, which then leads to potential corruption or, you know, some other type of ring-influenced bad decision-making. It wouldn't have any guarantee of success. The Valar have already basically said, hey, y'all deal with this, we'll send you some help, but we're staying out of this as direct, you know, actors. And as Elrond and Galdor kind of point out, yeah, we do this too much and it's going to be watched and it's too dangerous. That's really not a good idea anyway. We might not ever even make it to the sea. So, those are the reasons why I think they can't really take the ring west to Valinor for any kind of purpose. So, there may be some others that, you know, people out there can think of creatively. If you can, put those in the comments. Might be interesting to look at some of those. Let me know if you think I'm pushing the limits of my logic a little too far on some of my own reasoning, or if you can think of other reasons to back up some of the things that I've said. There's, you know, a lot of unstated stuff in the Council of Elrond in, in a lot of ways that, you know, we kind of have to flesh out in our own minds once we have more of the background details on everything. So it's, you know, a lot of this is inference, and it's really interesting to think about 
and but there's no guarantee that we're getting exactly all the you know Elrond and Gandalf and Galdor never state a whole lot of their arguments in really true geometrical proof form like here's all the reasons and here's why they matter so you know pro con if you can think of additional reasons put them in the comments below we can have some interesting discussions about that if you enjoyed the video please give it a thumbs up share it around please subscribe on youtube rumble odyssey catch me on podcasts as well and you can find me at twitter at jrrt lore for occasional tolkien related trivia questions and you can support me over at patreon until the next time, I'm the Tolkien Geek, signing out for the Tolkien Lore Channel. Namariye.